is A7X fan Ben. This is Pirate CSG podcast number 43, and I want to thank Jason Michael for being the latest guest on the podcast. Avast ye. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to talk about uh, some of Jason's involvement with WizKids. He was the communications manager at WizKids from 2003 to 2006. Uh, so I'll let you talk about your involvement with WizKids, how it all started, and whatever else you want to mention with your origin story in terms of pirates. Sure. So my origin story actually is a superhero origin story. I got my start playing Heroclix shortly after it came out, and I was a judge at my local comic book store in Oklahoma and was fairly active in the WizKids community at the time online and on HC Realms. And at one point, there was a job posting for... um, for like a basically what we would call now a community manager, I guess. Uh, and so I was like, Hey, I, I meet the, the criteria for that. And so I sent in my resume and they, I was flown out for an interview and I got the job and that's what I did. <laughs> and, uh, after I was there for about six months, they moved me over purely under the marketing team to sort of a communications manager role which sort of encompassed all of like public relations there was a lot of like ad writing and everything else that went on but i always kind of stayed on the forums and sort of did that community management stuff as well so i'm sure anyone who's out there who remembers the hero clicks forums probably remembers the name brother magneto so that was that was me and it was it was fantastic and and Pirates was something that kind of got kicked off. It was kind of toward the end of my run at WizKids. And um, I've always been a fan of Pirates, like, from the time I was a little kid and watched, like, um, you know, Errol Flynn movies and stuff. I, I loved watching those. I even enjoyed watching Cutthroat Island in high school, if that, which probably dates me a little bit, but it was the only pirate movie we had at the time. And uh, so I was super excited about pirates and they knew, um, you know, the the game designers at WizKids knew that I really liked to write stories, fiction. And so I was invited to start writing some of the card fiction for the pirate CSG. And I started that, um, did this research because so, I couldn't exactly remember. Um, I think Barbary coast was my first set yes that's right barbary coast was the first set i actually got to write for and i was i i had the opportunity to both name the ships and write the fiction for the ships. so that's what i did and i did it on several sets after that um all the way up to uh i think rise of the fiends was the last set i worked on yep nice so you actually designed some of the ships, too, with the stats and whatnot, or just the names? No, so I didn't design any of the ships. Mike mm-hmm. uh, Mike Mulvihill was the the lead designer on the game, and he did all the statting out of the ships. And what would, what would typically happen is I would get a spreadsheet of all the ship stats and their special abilities, and then I was told I could kind of go just hog wild and do whatever, you know, whatever would work to, um, to kind of fiction that would sort of fit what the ability was and fit the fact in and, um, sort of fit the story arcs. And there, there were a few story arcs that sort of wove throughout the, 
the Pirates game, and there were a few characters that I wasn't. I really, they, you know, Mike or someone else did the the favorite for because they were sort of the marquee characters of the series. But anything else uh, was fair game. And I even, I think I even threw a few story arcs of my own in there too, to kind of like secondary arcs if, if anyone was paying attention. So <laughs> little, little Easter eggs, I think, if you were watching between sets. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they had different versions of the same crew and things like that. And it was interesting to see that some of the characters evolve over time. I think the flavor text yeah. is one of the more underrated parts of the game. The game is great, but the flavor text can really make it more thematic, which is awesome because it's kind of a, quasi-historical game at times though it does make it pretty neat yeah yeah and i i was reading through um ref- again refreshing my memory because some of the stuff is 12 years old at this point or, or older yeah like there I, there were actually like we put straight up historical things in there you know yep. several and you know things from literature and tips from literature and character literature as well as uh just sort of fantasy stuff that we made up yep nice so you would say that the most of the flavor text came from like ship abilities and stats rather than the other way around in general? That's right. The ship's abilities and stats were always done first. Yep. And the flavor text was written. We I tr- we tried to match. I tried to match as best we could. Um sometimes sometimes what I wrote didn't make it through. And that's you know, that anyone who's done any anyone who's done any freelance writing knows how that feels. You put something in there you really like, and then it gets cut at the last minute or something else. So there, there are a few things that were, you know, supposed to be in there that just never made it all the way through. But for the most part, you know, they did. And um, yeah, the the abilities sort of came first. Um, and and when I could, I wrote to them. But if not, you know, I just kind of threw some cool stuff in there and and called it good. Yep. Nice. So the first main question, uh, since you worked at WizKids before the Spanish main set was released, did you have insight on Jordan Wiseman's thought process around the game? Yeah. So we were looking, we being WizKids, I guess, but specifically, you know, Jordan and, and the executives were looking for ways to kind of branch out beyond just doing collectible miniatures. And they were the, the sort of, uh, cut styrene cards. We knew there was some big potential there, and we had several ideas that we kind of were floating around with what we could do with that. And the Pirates game, I think, was something that was so played so well and so elegantly that, and and there was sort of a Pirates, I guess, like mini mania. You know what with the Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean movies and stuff. Yeah. You know, at the time, it was definitely part of the zeitgeist. I think. And so, you know, it was one of those things where we kind of just were able to time it really well. And, you know, we were, it was really looking for, looking to get into kind of the, the styrene cards as well as how can we branch out beyond just the collectible miniatures, uh, games that we had done to that point. And so, you know, it, it, um, James and Mike, uh, James Ernest and Mike Selinker, came in and sort of showed us this game and we're like, yeah, this I think could really work. So, um, you know, granted I was not necessarily in those meetings. So some of this is secondhand, but, uh, you know, that, that is definitely how I remember it going down. And I mean, I remember we were play testing early versions of this just done with cardboard cutouts 
um, you know, maybe even a year before it came out. It was short, pretty shortly after I, I got the WizKids. So it was in the works for quite a while. Yep. Very nice. I took part of uh, the interview you did a while back, and uh, you mentioned Pirates a few times in it. One of the things you said was uh, Pirates was a success in every de definition of the term. The game was an experiment designed to attract a certain Disney license, and we didn't know it would sell nearly as well as it did. So based on that, yeah. uh, did Jordan Wiseman create the game solely to get a Pirates of the Caribbean license to WizKids? Well, I, I, I think the answer is kind of yes and no. Um, that was definitely on his mind, but, you know, like I said, kind of expanding beyond just the collectible miniatures game market was something we were really trying to, to do as a company as well, you know, and we wanted something small that could, you know, not only be in like hobby game stores, but could go into mass market too. And, you know, the kind of breaking, breaking that barrier from the hobby store to the mass market was always one of the sort of secondary objectives of a lot of the things we did. Yep. At, at one of the things we did at WizKids, right? And, you know, to, to certain degrees of success, I feel like. But, you know, Pirates was a Pirates was a huge success. You know, the, I remember the year it came out, just doing demo after demo after demo at conventions. And it was, you know, everybody who played it bought it. It was amazing. Yep. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, what other WizKids employees did you work with? Uh, my, well, Mike Mulvihill, very closely. Um, I mean, do you specifically want people who worked on Pirates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Like, the, whole, the whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, like... it's, um, yeah, Mike Mulvihill, very closely. Uh, Seth Johnson, who designed and wrote some of the cards and flavor text for, he did Mysterious Island, uh, or Mysterious Islands, which is the one sort of expansion I didn't get a chance to do. Uh, it came out after I left the company and I think Seth kind of came in and was like, yep, that's, that's something I'd like to do. Cause he's very heavily into like the sort of Jules Verne steampunk sort of, you know, or, or at least he was at the time very heavily into the, the Jules Verne steampunk influence. And, um, I mean, I, I would work with Jordan from time to time. Um, you know, usually, usually in a more marketing capacity, but you know, every now and then, yeah, we would just. He, he he had a habit of calling people into his office and being like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and kind of just polling us for opinions about things, which was a pretty fun, <laughs> pretty fun yeah. part of working. At nice. Did you consult with any of the game designers for flavor text ideas, like Mike Selinker or James Ernest? So I don't. I I actually don't recall if James Ernest and Mike Selinker worked very heavily on the game after they kind of did the initial design because they, they had their own company that they were working for. And I think they contracted. I, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure yeah. about this. No, that's right. Uh, I, they did. They talked yeah, about they, that on the podcast. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not making this up. <laughs> uh, they, they had contracted with Jordan to, uh, to make the game, but I don't think they were very heavily involved afterwards. I mean, I actually, I know Mike, Personally, he, I just, as a, you know, as a, first of all, as a professional contact, then we, you know, sort of became just, I guess, buddies, I guess, online. Um, I haven't spoken to, to James Ernest in years, though. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and they didn't really do a lot. Um, like I said, with the game after, I think, the initial design, I, I certainly remember uh, Mike coming up to us at Comic-Con and, you know, playing the game and having a great time. That was, that was, yeah. a, that was a good time. Yeah, nice.
<laughs> uh, how did the naming of the constructible strategy game term come about, and how did it go over with WizKid? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I had kind of forgotten I'd named that because uh, until until you reminded me, which is really funny, and I'll <laughs> I'll tell you why in a minute. So the we were just looking, you know, looking for a term to to name this new genre of game because we want we knew we wanted to do more than just pirates. And I'm I'm reasonably certain that the Lord of the Rings game was announced at one point, which ended up unfortunately getting canceled. If not, hey, there was going to be a Lord of the Rings game too. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure that was announced, but. They so they needed a new name for the genre of game, and you know we kind of just did the whole brainstorming thing. We sat down in a conference room and wrote a bunch of stuff on the board. And at one point, I was I looked at you know sort of the construct of C blank G, you know, for you know collectible miniatures game, which was what we were known for originally. And from that, I got I took the C and was like, well, it's constructible. So we can go with that. And it's not a miniature, you know, it's not a miniatures game per se, but it's more strategy. And so I just shouted it out and like we circled it and everybody loved it. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. It was, and, and the reason, the reason I, it's funny that I'd forgotten about that is my current job is I'm the senior brand copywriter at Xbox. Uh-huh. One of my responsive, one of my responsibilities is naming new products. Nice. So, yeah. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I was doing naming like a, decade ago that's awesome anyway <laughs> yeah that is really cool i always loved it how unique the game was and everything like that very nice thanks uh yep the game started with historical fleets and toward the end of the game it shifted in more of a fantasy direction was that a change in direction to gain a bigger audience or do you think it was a way for the team to express their ideas or maybe both? I, I think it was both yep we there was a lot of at the, especially at the beginning, there was a lot of, I think, more historical sort of wargaming and like the, the, in, just in the general DNA of the game, right? Yeah. And there, I'm trying to think of how best to. Okay, so at the same time that Pirates of the Caribbean came out, Master and Commander came out too. Oh, and, yeah. You know, the Aubrey uh, Matter and Novels had, I would say, as much an influence on the game itself than, you know, just kind of the, the whole, like, weird, you know, spooky pirates genre did, too, if not more in many ways. So, and, and you know, there are, other, there are other games, I think, out there. Like, I remember they had, well, I think it was actually a Master Commander game at one point they had in the office that they were, like, for inspiration um but so they had that and uh you know they they really kind of drew from sort of both sources at the beginning but as they cut as they evolved more along and they had new ship designs they i think had to kind of think up ways to get (laughs) to get like to, to make to think up reasons might be a better way to say it think up reasons to kind of bring these various ship designs all into this one shared world where you know which sort of if you look at like the actual history of piracy more or less spans like you know 300 some years of you know well i guess 200 years maybe um you know if you go from like the 1600s to the to the napoleonic era 
then, you know, and so, but the question for the pirate CSG became, well, how do we kind of justify all this coming together in our little world, you know? And well, and then at that point, it's like, well, we're going to add long ships. We're going to add turtle ships. We're going to add, you know, um, the, the galleys, like, how do we bring all this together? And, you know, there was always the directive to kind of add new things with every event. It wasn't, you know, there were always, there were new factions, but definitely they tried to always add new designs because it kept things interesting. And so I think that, you know, the, the sort of move toward the historical to go back to, or excuse me, move from the historical to the fantastical to go back to your question was almost a function of that. where you know they kind of had to find a way to bring all this stuff together and they're like well if we bring it into this fantastic world then it all fits we don't have to try to explain it you know what i mean yeah nice all right so now we get into the the, little 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 inside baseball there (laughs) yeah no i love it yeah it's really cool uh so we get into the flavor text questions next uh so what sets did you design flavor text for you said you started with barbary coast and then ended around uh one of the later sets. So yeah. So I can I Barbary, definitely Barbary coast, South China seas, uh, Davy Jones curse. I did quite a bit. for. I did not do mysterious islands mm-hmm. frozen North. I did, um, oceans edge. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Ocean oceans edge. I did a little bit of like some work on the, Pirates of the Caribbean set, but considering it was all, you know, licensed material, it was like, I think, I don't even know if any of my stuff actually made it into, um, made it into, to the final set. Uh, I did some work on Rise of the Fiends and definitely did some on Fire and Steel as well. Yep. Nice. I don't, I think Fire and Steel is the last set I I did any work on. Yeah. So did you know did you have like a favorite set in terms of like the theme of the set or anything like that? Uh I actually yeah, I think that Davy Jones Curse was probably my favorite. Yep. Um just because it was it was really the first time they went full fantasy, you know, with the sea monsters and everything else. And yep. like you could I could feel the I could I could feel the world opening up you know the room expanding a little bit and yeah. like, like oh yeah we're i used to be work you know i used to be working in a 15 by 15 foot space now it's like 100 by 100 yeah so you know really tap into all this cool stuff yeah yeah that's a great point yeah i've come up with uh and myself and others in the community i've come up with a bunch of cursed customs and stuff like that and it is really fun to make flavor text for them because you don't have to just nice. base it on like historical stuff or semi-historical stuff you can go totally crazy in any direction you want yeah it's a lot of fun yeah i agree with that (laughs) very cool yep do you think it was a good idea from whiz kids to dive more into the fantasy concepts or do you think they should have kept the game more historical i guess you kind of answered that but (laughs) yeah well I, i mean i don't know it's a hard one because you know on one hand you kind of had to do you had to do new stuff with every expansion and if you just stayed historical, I think that, you know, it would have, I mean, you could argue that galleys were, you know, we're still a historical, you know, at least in the Mediterranean, yep. right? We're, we're still around in 
the six, you know, 1600s, I guess. But, you know, but beyond that, like, you know, there wasn't, you know, until you get to like the true, I mean, even, even past the age of sale, I guess, you know, like, and then you're looking at like ironclads and stuff. And so, you know, I think to, in order to kind of keep expanding, they, they kind of had to do it. Yep. You know, and I mean, I, I get it. Like I understand why they did it. And I, I, one of the things I always thought was interesting about the game was you could always leave that aspect out if you didn't want to play with it. You know, Um, like if you, you can, you can make a gentleman's agreement with your, or a gentle person's agreement, your gaming group. And say, yeah, we're not going to play with sea monsters or wacky submarines or any of that business. We're just going to play with, the, you know, the frigate uh, sloop-style ships, and and that's what we're going to go with. Yep. Yeah, Xerix and I have actually started a historical Caribbean game on the Vassal module, which is how you can play uh, virtually. And we have a custom rule set that does ban, like, sea monsters and the cursed and submarines and stuff like that. So nice. that, that's yeah. exactly something I've done. Yep. Yeah, it is a cool very game. cool. Yeah, and I, I feel like you know that's that's one of the you know with like with hero clicks for you could always do stuff like you could just say oh, we're only playing with the Avengers today, you know, or or things like that. But it was always kind of for one-off events. Whereas with a game like this, you can just straight up say like, nope, we're you know from here on out we're just gonna we're gonna remove the fantastical elements and only play with the historical, and the game still plays amazingly well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, Do you remember a favorite game piece you worked on? Oh, man. There's actually several. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're not... I I don't want to give too much away, because... I mean, I I, I don't know that it really matters, but... So a lot of the names came... Like, a lot of the names came from... The ship names were, like, either places I lived, visited, people I knew, you know, in some capacity... Nice. Um, but I ran a, um, it was a, it was a D and D 3.5 game as a, with, with sort of a weird pirates twist to it. And it used this supplement from green Ronin called skull and bone. Um, so this, this is like really, you know, early two thousands, uh, sort of role-playing stuff, but I ran this role-playing game for my group of friends and we played pretty much every night or excuse me, every week for about two or three years and we went from level one to level 20 and it was the longest campaign i've ever run and quite a few of their ships and their characters made their way into <laughs> nice. so yeah those are my favorites and even a couple of them ended up like i think reappearing a couple of times through no fault of you know through through nothing i had done like i think mike and mike uh, Mulvihill had just picked the names up and carried them over from set to set, but yeah. Nice. So it was, yeah, it was good like that. And it was really like, you know, little, little bits like that, that, um, where I could do little winks and nods to things like that was, that was really super, cool. yeah. you know, even I, I love getting like historical stuff. Like I think I put, uh, I was last night, I think it's in David Jones first. Actually. I put the wider, which is, a historical pirate ship in uh one of the sets um which you know was a ship that was originally like a slave vessel that 
where the slaves had mutinied and, and gone gone a pirating after they had done so. Um, so I, I threw it in the set and like doing historical stuff like that. That's really interesting. I thought was super cool, but you know, I also like getting, you know, getting your, like your friend, your friends carry, you know, D and D characters names in there too. Also kind of cool. Yeah. Very nice. So did you design any game pieces directly at all, or was it all uh, just like names and flavor text? I'm sorry, ask again. Uh, did you design any game pieces directly, or was it all just names and flavor text? I did not. It was all just names and flavor Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the audio is yeah. a little funky sometimes, but it's okay. Sorry about that, yeah. No, it's all good. No, it's not It's not your problem at all. Um, did you have a favorite grand storyline or overarching flavor narrative, uh, possibly spanning multiple sets, kind of like what you alluded to earlier? Yeah. Yeah, there were definitely there there were the ones like um featuring like I think like Calico Cat and um you know, the sort of uh like Jack Hawkins and stuff, like those those fla- those storylines, the ones that did like very overtly span multiple sets, like those were all actually done by Mike, I believe by Jordan, because Jordan um like Jack Hawkins was Jordan's character. Yep. And so he wanted, you know, he kind of um, exercised his his, uh, his his right to kind of come in and dictate what the what the storylines were going to be for those characters. You know, it's totally. Um, I mean, I I think I threw a few in there myself that you know, like ships that sort of changed hands over from set to set and things like that to just kind of like have you know have some. Um, continuity along, you know, with some of the other pieces as well. And again, like, you know, I think there's just some Easter eggs in there that, you know, the, the savvy player will notice if they go and, you know, kind of read all the different, all the different flavor text. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Seeing the character development among the sets and things like that. And they brought some of them back for uh return to Savage Shores, which was never released, but there's actually some flavor text from that set that originated in some of the sets that you designed flavor text for. So some other people that were writing the flavor text oh. later on must have actually picked up some of what you designed, which is neat. So That's awesome. Yeah, there was continuity up until the very end. So yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, they were I they were always super big on that. And you know, it was like we we had a continuity editor, um, you know, who at least WizKids did. I and, and I'm pretty sure she helped oversee what you know, what we worked on, on, on the pirate CSG. So. Yep. Nice. This is a weird one. Do you have any like least favorite flavor text, uh, or ideas that you had for the game that you either threw out or that were just funny or just kind of bizarre, or even if it wasn't something you had worked on that you saw or anything like that? Yeah. So I had, I had done when I, when I was first kind of working on the, or, or on flavor text for the game, I wasn't really sure how to approach the um like some of the french and spanish names yeah and i will here's some more inside baseball i will admit i used google translate a couple of times yeah and it just it just this was still you know pretty early days and it just came up with some garbage. so uh <laughs> never got used um you know but like there was just never rely on google translate to translate names of ships that's my that's my advice to any aspiring writer okay <laughs> <laughs> I've actually done that with a few customs, but oh well. well I was going to say they well they may have they may have gotten better in the last ten, but um, yeah, 
certainly in like whatever 2005 or 2006 it was not great yep <laughs> uh well the next one was did you have a favorite set you worked on flavor text for which was davy jones curse i guess we could go the other way and uh and ask you if you had a least favorite set that you worked on least least favorite set yeah let me think about that for a second because yeah. there were um I will admit that the the long ships in the frozen north kind of like puzzled me. Yes. And I've never been a I've never been a huge fan of like Norse or or kind of Viking mythology. Mm-hmm. Um I will I will come right out and say that Thor is probably my least favorite adventure for that movie. <laughs> for for that, you know, for that reason. And I have not actually um I've not actually seen a single Thor movie all the way through. Yep. So, although I hear Thor Ragnarok supposed to be pretty good, so I'll probably get over my get over my uh, <laughs> my irrational dislike and, and watch it anyway. But like, it, it just it's just something that hasn't isn't that interesting to me. And um, you know, so I guess if I were going to say least favorite, that might be it. But yep. it was still super fun to work on, you know. And um, I mean, you got to I'm, I got to throw like Beowulf references in there, so that was pretty cool. And you know. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, some people have a little bit of an issue with the Frozen North set because the Vikings were so far out of the timeline that it it made no sense to suddenly introduce longships from like the you know the early like 1100s or whatever time period they were in um, into like right. the of sail game. That's that is one thing that other people have talked about as well, being kind of a kind well, of a con and- of the Frozen North set. Yeah, and there was a there was a reason they did it, which I don't know may not have ever actually been public. So, like, bear with me if this is like, you know, or or if it is, like, just say yeah, we know this. But I guess they had the whole notion behind it was there was some resurgence in like Norse, um, like I don't know, national pride or whatever, and. So the the Norwegians or you know the the Scandinavians I guess because it wasn't just Norwegians the Scandinavians building longships again to go compete with the other world powers on the high seas that was I don't know that that ever made it out into the public like ah, you know arena of knowledge but that was that was sort of the like that was the conceit behind it so there I, I guess you know given that like i could see it but i'm i'm still kind of with you i just it never made much sense to me. yeah it was it was really i think it was a reason to get the design into the you know out into the wild and um you know the new ship design and just kind of you know explore and go with that so yeah yeah huh yeah i've never heard of that but yeah that's a new interest new information okay. for me at least yeah <laughs> there is a chance it's been talked yeah. about on like the miniature trading forum a long time ago because there's so many there's so many little golden nuggets at the various pirates forums on the internet, but that's something yeah. I've known about. Oh, that's I mean, good. Honestly, I, the only reason I remember it is they, that's what they, like when they kicked me off, you know, they give you a, they, they gave me a brief as to like what the background information on the set was. Yep. And that was, that was the background brief on the set. And it was a paragraph, you know, less than a paragraph of like the Scandinavians, you know, there's been a resurgence of Scandinavian nationalism. They've started building longships again to go compete, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, historical longships were tiny compared to, you know, yeah. like actual, actual sailing ships. So yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah. It's pretty it bizarre. <laughs> yeah. It didn't quite work for me. So there you go. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. Uh, and it's a good segue into the next section, which is about the forums, which I find really interesting because I've spent a ton of time on the, the various Pirates forum. I got it in the community uh, like 2011, so I was too late to be on the actual mm. Kids Pirates forum. Um, yeah. What was, what was your favorite experience or aspect of the old WizKids Pirates forums? Oh, man. I love talking to people just about the game and, and seeing how excited people were about it. And that's true of, you know, I, I was on I was on the HeroClix forum the most. And, you know, that was a function of the fact that it was the most traffic forum was had and there, you know, needed the most attention and moderation. But, you know, I spent, you know, a fair, a fair amount of time on and just seeing how excited people were about it and just, you know, getting involved in conversations about it, watching the people come up with strategies. Like, I loved that, you know, and just because when you, when you work at a game company, you know, you're, you're sort of, you, you don't necessarily always play the games you're making, or if you do, you're play testing it so much that you're just like, you kind of get tired of it. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned, I was a, a HeroClix judge, you know, before I joined the company. And once I joined, like I stopped playing HeroClix, you know, certainly competitively at stores, you know, at, at venues and stuff, because I just, I, I was burned out because it was something I did all day long at work. But, you know, to be able to kind of dip into the forums and see how, like, just enthusiastic people were was amazing. And it was good for the soul, I think. You know, it was just, it was really just pleasant to do and a great deal of fun. And, you know, that was why we were there, you know, at the end of the day. Like, that's, we were, you know, they they actually asked me that in the job, in my job interview. They said, you know, what do you do if you get burned out and stuff? And I said, well, you know, at the end of the day, we're making games for people to have fun. Like, yep. how bad can that be? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. and, and, it can, and to be fair, in crunch time, it can be pretty bad. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's also, you know, it, it's great at the same time. You bring joy into people's lives. Like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, did you have any least favorite experiences on the forums? I always hated having to be the moderator, actually, um, because I, I have, despite my, despite my online alias, I am not, I'm terrible at playing the bad guy and, uh, or, you know, the, or, or putting, putting my foot down. Like, and there were a few things when people just, you know, not just cross the line, but like drive a garbage truck through the line. Yeah. And, you know, that, then you kind of just have to do what you have to do. Yeah. But, um, Oh, that's a good story. Okay, actually, I did remember something sort of related. Nice. But I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, the, you know, I, I never, I never really liked having to, to be the, the forum police. I always just was like, why can't everybody get along? Come on, y'all. So the, we had. So the funny, the funny story is, I, I was actually out with a bunch of WizKids people. Um, I can't remember where we were, but it was like nine o'clock on a Friday night. And we're all walking into wherever we were going. And I get a phone call from the guy who was in charge of the website and the forums. And he, he said, I need you to stop whatever you're doing and get to a computer. And I was <laughs> like, Oh my God. So like my Friday night out with my, you know, with my buddies, like turned into, <laughs> turned into me, like I turning around and I think about driving like an hour home. 
to go like deal with this with this website hack. <laughs> so yeah. No, it's a hack. Yeah, yeah, I got okay. the site. The site and I, it was I both got hacked. I think, but okay. yeah. Huh. Interesting. So yeah, you had to you had to deal with some of the unsavory users on the forums and ban people. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. It's uh, I know it's part of the job. It's just it's not what I particularly like. Or enjoy, so. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, oh, this is a, this was one I find interesting. Was there anything that started on the forum that made it into the game of Pirate CSG? Right. I saw, I saw you, I saw that question on the, so not to my knowledge and yep. they, WizKids had a sort of spoken slash unspoken policy of not accepting or looking at fan like stats or, or, you know, solicited materials from fans and the the reason i always was told and i have had people say that this is not correct so bear with me but the reason the reason i was always told was we didn't want to open ourselves up to any sort of lawsuit should we use you know something that a community member had made like a stats for a ship for example like you know if, we, if a community member had statted up a ship and then we were like oh yeah we'll use that then you know the community that person could then well i want a share of the profits of this set yeah. and so <laughs> we yeah i mean and that seems ridiculous just thinking about it and saying it out loud but i suppose it can happen and you know yeah. i having worked with the legal department i work with now they're who's far 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 more strict um you know they they just shut down and don't want to do anything like that so i i mean i get it but like I always thought, you know, they should, you know, like a fan design set or, or even just a, a place where people could, you know, that was, you know, because I, I know it existed on HC realms. I know it existed on, on realm, the realm work sites where people could go and post their own character stuff. Um, I wish we made that slightly more effective, even if it was just like a nod sort of thing. Like people, you know, because people, again, it's, it goes back to the enthusiasm, right? If they're enthusiastic for your game, encourage that like yeah that's that's what they're there for anyway yeah yeah i know i love that and now there's there's no lack of it nowadays because there's custom ships thread on both forums and there's a ton of there's been a lot of custom creators over the past you know 10 years since the game has gone out of print a lot of people have made right. a ton of customs including myself and a bunch of the other community members i've played against so yeah it's, it's we've gone pretty crazy actually making hundreds or thousands of custom ships and crew. So <laughs> there's no shortage of that. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that that happens. I, I think it's fantastic. I love that it's game went out of print like that. That really says something. I think about the, just the longevity of the game we made. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, did you, you guys? Refer, are, yeah. Did you refer any pirate CSG community ideas from the forum to any of the game designers? Uh, no, for the reasons previously stated. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah uh, were there any forum users that were particularly helpful or notable that you want to give a shout out to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't remember it. Um, I mean, I, all the folks I can remember, remember, I, I think we're Heroclix players, not yep. necessarily Pirates players. 
So I hate to, yeah, I, I hate, I hate to, to say that to the pirates community. No, that's but fine. I, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's um, been, I mean, it's been yeah, you know, 13 I, years since you were working at WizKids, so that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then some of the closing questions. Uh, some of these are kind of random. Um, do you have a favorite ship type, like a five-master or probably not a three-masted long ship, obviously? <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I really love uh, – it's the treasure ships, right, that were the giant uh, – like the, the convention giveaways. That's They were called treasure ships, right? Yeah, the uh, the ten masters. Yep. Yeah, I I I always thought those were really cool. Um, I love just a big five masted ship that could you know broadside somebody out of the out of the water. Um, that was you know I I thought yeah, but um, I played a lot of uh, Sid Meier's Pirates on the computer way back in the day, and. Even more recently, I think there was a console version at one point. But so, you know, the small and fast ships in that game were, were always better than the big ship. So, um, you know, which was actually something I wasn't sure they ever quite captured 100 percent in the in the CSG. But maybe I just wasn't playing them right. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it's it's kind of a. Sometimes it's like a cost thing and then also like a roll thing. So the, the bigger ships will always be better in combat. Then the smaller ships are usually better at getting gold, which is what wins the game. But they did make right. they did make the one masters. Sometimes some of the smaller ships, they made them kind of expensive relative to the four and five masters. Like you can get a really good five master for 15 points. And a lot of the some of the one masters cost like seven, eight, nine points. So you're, you're not going to mm-hmm. really use one of those when you can get a bigger and better ship for you know, not five times the cost. Yeah. So. Yeah. That That's, that's pretty much how I remember it being too. Is like, you know, cause I, I mean, and granted you could always do, if they were cheaper, you know, you might be able to do like a swarm approach, but oh, yeah. I, yeah, I always liked the idea of in, you know, certainly, like I said, in Sid Meier's pirates of the small, uh, you know, like the sloop or this, you know, a sloop of war or whatever, taking on just a giant frigate by, you know, basically, Swim your, uh, you know, sailing circles around it. Yeah, which is always good. Fun, so, yeah. Yep. Nice. What were what were some of your ideas that never made it into the game? That's a great question. Um, I so there were certainly a few reference friends uh, that never made it in there, um, and I think like there were there were a couple of through storylines. <sighs> trying to remember that i think like i got the first part in but then the subsequent parts kept getting changed on me when i would turn the text in so i just kind of gave up after a while oh wow um so yeah and then you know and that happens like you know like i think i said earlier like you know if you've done freelancing you know that 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 can happen like you know they'll just they will sometimes just change stuff on you uh, rather than asking for a rewrite so you know, it's it's not that big of a deal, but it was like still, you know, it's like, well, all right, I'll I'll guess I'll just quit trying with this one if, if they keep changing it out on me. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, do you still own any pirate stuff at all, or no? I do. I actually have a almost complete set of the game. Um, nice. It is in my storage unit, but I do have it, and I I think I was trying to figure out. Um, where my, uh, where my set 
uh, stop, and I think I may have up through Savage Shore, um, but I am missing a bunch of like promo cards and stuff. A lot of the promo cards after I left WizKids, I don't have anymore. Yeah. Or, or rather, I don't have because I never got. They yeah. weren't part of the... like. So again, Insider Baseball, WizKids employees factory set. Just straight up. And they, and they would send me a factory set of the Pirates... Okay. Uh, stuff that I worked on, so um, so I kept you know I, I stayed in the pirates even after I wasn't getting the hero clip. But and and the factory sets were one of everything, except they were off. They would sometimes be missing like promo stuff we did with like Scry Magazine or yeah. um, sometimes convention promos and that sort of thing. So yeah. because they were they were just kind of one offs that weren't technically part of any set. Okay. Um, so there's a there's a fair few of those I'm missing. And uh, I, I actually dug up a giant list. I have my, I had my email from like, because I was trying to chase some of them down from some other WizKids employees who were still there. And there's just some stuff nobody has, like, <laughs> so apparently. Oh, really? So Interesting. There were, there were, yeah, there were like some, there were some islands that were in a Swedish magazine or whatever. Maybe, oh, maybe yeah. Getting, um, yeah, the Scandinavian like, home islands. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And apparently, like, nobody has those. So. <laughs> Yeah, at least none only, of the Yeah, there's only a handful of people in the world, I think, with those. Oh, geez, yeah, no, none of the WizKids people did. That's for sure. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there's this uh, super collector in Germany. His uh, screen name is Old Man, and he has like basically everything. So, and he nice. has, he actually has uh, two uh, ships in a bottle promos that are like one of ones. So they're the only ones in the world. Um, oh yeah <laughs> did we do those we may have done those as trophies at one point oh really i huh. want to say we did ships and bottles as, as like trophy gen con or something like that huh man that's cool so, yeah interesting yeah it reminds me of the busts from uh spanish main the first set that is yeah cool. yeah i and in fact i'm pretty sure i have a set of them too yep nice yeah, yeah. man uh he's got two of the ships in a bottle and then there's supposedly there might be two more out there, um, but nobody has uh, turned up with them. So maybe they just gotcha. exist. So we've kind of theorized that they there might be someone out there that has them and doesn't know they're rare or they're just like they could be sitting in like a yeah. somewhere that nobody knows about. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, I, I will say there my uh, I, I stay in touch with with quite a few uh, of my former WizKids colleagues. And we all have either storage units or garages just full of stuff that, like, we're kind of scared to go through. Wow, interesting. <laughs> so I I got, yeah, and I actually ditched most of my hero clicks because um, we ended up, we, I, my wife and I moved overseas for a couple of years. And so we were really trying to downsize everything as much as we could. And I ended up, like, selling most of my sets of hero clicks around that time. But I kept the pirates because it's much smaller and more compact. And, you know, I regret nothing. I am glad I have them. Yep. Someday I'm going to teach my kids how to play it. It's going to be super fun. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yay. <laughs> There's one specific ship uh, called the Obago Deuce that was from Fire and Steel that uh, apparently there's only around 30 copies in existence that have been, like, verified. So that one is uh -huh. like, the rarest ship in the game. And apparently there's... Wow. There's a group in Portland, Oregon that got a hold of around 13 of them or something like that. So, oh geez, if you have that huh. one, uh, it actually <clears throat> sold on eBay in January for 500 bucks. 
So Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And there were some of them were sold back in like 2008, 2009. Most of them uh went for I don't know, between like 50 and 200. I remember one went for like 232 on eBay and that was a big deal. So, so you never see them anymore. Like the chances of getting an Obago deuce from a collector nowadays is like you basically have to wait like three or four or five years until someone with like a mega collection that has like pretty much everything comes out with it. And then you have to be ready right. to pay up basically. So it's yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. That's, uh, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. There, I, there's actually somebody I know who might have one. Okay. She, was the, she was the brand manager for a while of, for pirates. She was the, the one? Sorry. She was the sorry, that's all right. She was the brand manager for Pirates okay. towards the end. Yep. And I know she's got a pretty near complete collection of everything. So yep. Yeah, I'm trying to get I might uh this summer I'm I'm planning to reach out to Kelly Bonilla and uh Tiffany O'Brien potentially to see if they might be interested in the podcast too. So Oh yeah. Uh Tiff, well Tiffany's the person I'm thinking of. So Yep. Okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um you thought well, and actually, uh, I was gonna say I can like so. Oh, sorry. What was that? Sorry, it's breaking up. I a can, bit. I, that's all right. Sorry, I could put you in touch with Mike Mulvihill. Okay, awesome. Yeah, actually, I reached out to him on Facebook. Um, so yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah he he's uh, he doesn't always Facebook all the time. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, he's. Uh, I know he's he's very busy. Um, he works for Robinsburger these days. Yep. He's, he travels a lot, so I will, um, but I can just ping him real quick and if he's around and or answering his best. Yep, so. cool. Hey, thanks a ton for that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's amazing. The Obago D sold for 500 bucks um, basically 11 years after the game went out of print. So it shows that people are mm-hmm. still willing to uh, pony up their dollars for, for some rare ships. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. amazing. I love it. That yeah. is so cool. Yep. Uh, you already talked about some of them, but what are you some of your other favorite memories of Pirate CSG in general? Could be flavor text or playing or or anything really. Yeah, do man doing convention work, uh, you know, demos at conventions. It was always exhausting, but it was so much fun. Like especially when you got kids coming up to you know who would come up to the table with their parents and like you could show them how to play the game and you could see them get it and they're like, "Dad, this is amazing." Um, I love that. Like it was so much fun. We had, I think it was Gale Force Nine made us these amazing terrain tables. Yes, and yeah, they were so cool to play on. I, and I actually wonder those. What Who was ended that? up with those? I, I said, I wonder what happened to those when the lights oh, went off. Yeah, so because I'm sure they ended up in somebody's garage somewhere. But yep. they were just so much fun to play on and demos on and stuff. Like I, yeah, I I loved doing that. It was such a great time. Yep. Yeah. I've actually seen pictures of those GF9 uh, tables. One of them was based on the At Ocean's Edge set that had like a waterfall and then there was like mm. a whirlpool. I don't know if you saw that one. I think it had a volcano too, I think. Oh, that sounds awesome. No, I the one I remember was just plain like islands and ocean stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's some pictures at Board Game Geek. Uh, that might be okay. on there. I'm not sure. There's There's a ton of great like old gems at the in the pictures and in the files section at board game geek for the pirates game. So, um, nice. Oh yeah. And then I was going to say, 
some people talk about in the community nowadays, some people are still trying to play at conventions once in a while. Like you'll see somebody going to Con of the North or Gen Con, stuff like that. And they'll, they'll ask the community members if anybody's going in case they want to play. So somebody actually did an mm-hmm. event. Uh, it might have been 2017. I can't remember. But somebody actually ran an event that they said went really well uh, for Pirates not too long ago. So that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I used to go to Gen Con every year before I had two young kids. And um, they I just remember being amazed at the number of, like, you can play the SimCity collectible card game if you wanted to, you know? Like, just amazing old games that probably appeal to, like, you know a handful of people in the world but man people were still playing them and that was so cool to see yep yeah i love that uh how did you get out of pirates like uh, well kids or whatever yeah i mean i so i i think i just kind of didn't like WizKids just didn't reach out for me, you know, to me, um, to do the flavor text for the last few sets. And I, I, I can't, I don't care to speculate as to why, um, you know, and so that was kind of really the, the end of my, with the, with the game professionally anyway, I, you know, I think I, the last time I played was shortly before I moved overseas. And the last set I wrote for was shortly after I moved overseas. So I was writing after I played yeah. because once we. Sorry, what was that? Storage. They're still there. Sorry. Once, once we moved back from Europe, I never got my cards out of storage. So okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, do you know anything about why the game went out of print or why it hasn't come back? Well, I think, it, you know, when WizKids kind of the first time around or, you know, or, well, I guess when it folded, you know, it just, they, it kind of got shelved along with all the other analog. And for whatever reason, no one's, no one's kind of come back to bring it back. And which is really a shame because I think it could do really well. You know, yeah. um, even if even if all you did was reprint old cards, you could still make a lot of money, I think, doing it and appeal to a new generation of, of gamer who would be very interested in something that's both fun and portable and, you know, has that sort of maker feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. And that's one thing that people have talked about the past few years is like the nostalgia factor. There's a lot of people that got into it last decade are older now and now they have more money so then they have more money to spend (laughs) on the game so they have actually spent sometimes a lot of people including myself have spent more money on the game this past decade of the 2010s than the previous decade and then some of those people uh have had kids since then too so now it is a really interesting uh idea in terms of demographics and who to attract back to the game i think it would be amazing you know it would be a great amazing thing to bring it back you know for exactly the reason that like you know we have more disposable income you know we have there's the nostalgia factor going on a lot of us kids you know yeah that would just be i I think it's it's certainly this the stars are aligned someone just needs to go and do it yeah yeah i've looked into it and uh it's just a legal uh cesspool of sorts because like oh god yeah yeah whiz kids still have the patents and then there's 
there's the issue with the Wizards of the Coast uh, patent as well. So um, I've looked into it, and it, it's possible that some of the patents might expire in like 2022 or 2023, but I don't know if they'll be mm -hmm. able to renew them again from there or not. So it's kind of just a sure. legal, legal issues mostly at this point. So yeah, that that I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Uh, if the game came back, do you think it would have a better chance as a physical or a digital game? Yeah, that's a great question, and I want. I think you could do both. Way like, and I don't know. Like, I I really see the strengths of doing a digital game. You know, like because so much. You know. <laughs> Let me let me take a step back. Mm -hmm. The nostalgia factor in me says it sh there should be a physical element to the game. Yep. However, the practical, like what you know, how the marketplace is right now, part of me says, well, chances are it would do better, you know, as a digital game right now. Yep. So, yeah, even if it, even if it was just a mobile game, you know, or or like an iPad game, you know, I, I it would probably do super well. Even, 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 I would say without necessarily the collectible element to it, too. You know, although you could certainly, I guess, monetize it that way if you were, if you were thinking of, of doing it like that. But you know, if, where if you just had like you know a certain set number of ships and you could you know build you know build your build your fleet from there, like that would be amazing. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I enjoy playing on the Vassal module. Um, it's two D. It's not like a three D game but mm -hmm. the vassal module you can play online with anyone in the world that has a like a data connection and it's pretty cool uh did you ever play the the sony online entertainment version that one actually uh, no i remember hearing about it but yep yeah you never played it at all no uh, -uh. yeah yeah i didn't either i was i was uh i didn't really know about any of the online stuff until like 2010 2011 but Oh, well, that's one of my yeah. regrets, sort of, but oh, well. <laughs> um, if Pirate CSG came back, would you want to return to it? Like in terms of playing oh, or in terms of, yeah, in terms of the flavor text, stuff like that. I would love to. That would be awesome. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I love hearing it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you doing now? So I think I mentioned I'm the I'm the senior brand box, so... That's my my kind of day job, I guess. Uh, I still do a fair bit of freelance writing, kind of role playing games. And stuff. Um, I most recently had some work published in the Expanse role playing game, and let's see, there's some stuff coming up. I wrote quite a bit for the new version of Eclipse Phase that's going to come out soon, and I'm trying to think of what else I've done kind of recently. Um, Stuff I can't talk. Stuff I can't talk. Don't. Yeah, um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and you know, I just even like working on um, working. On, I I finished the novel. Haven't uh, haven't published it yet. Um, I was. I'm still convinced I can get an A for it as opposed to uh, kind of publishing on the Kindle store. But it's looking more and more like I should just publish it on the Kindle store because um, yeah. I'm about halfway through my second novel right now. And, you know, I, I kind of like to get the first one out there before the second one. Yep. So, um, yeah. And 
having two having two young kids takes up a lot of my time and kind of game wise let's see i play about every four months um in a call of cthulhu campaign and i have been re i've really gotten down the rabbit hole of a game called gaslands so i don't i don't know if you're you know what this is but it's a it's basically the car chase scenes from Mad Max played with modified Hot Wheels. Nice. So it's good fun. And half, 90, 95% of what I do is just modifying the Hot Wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I've played the game you know, a little bit, but like like most miniatures games, you spend a lot of time painting the miniatures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but nice. it, it's super fun. And, and it, it kind of encourages wackiness. And so I've really gotten into it. Yeah, that does sound pretty sweet, actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? I'm fairly well. I was going to say I, I'm fairly not online much. I have a portfolio, but it's a professional portfolio at my old website, which is jasonmichael.com. And um, like, I, I don't think I've touched my Twitter account in a year. But if, if anyone wants to go look, it's. Uh, Twitter or it's I'm just at brother Magneto on Twitter. So yeah, like I, like I said, I, I don't think I even looked at it in a year. Yeah. So I've, I, yeah, I've, I've kind of gone through one of the like getting away from social media phases. I still yeah. get on Facebook mostly because we've got, um, uh, there's a, there's a, like a couple of just groups I'm part of that I go and check, you know, messages for, you know, Posts and messages for every now and then. One one of which, the Gaslands group. So if you're interested in Gaslands, I do post my cars there from time to time. So nice. you can see what I've been working on. Nice. But like, apart, yeah, apart from that, like, I'm I don't really have much of an online. Anymore. Yeah, so, fine. yeah. Like, I don't I don't really blame you for that. That's totally totally uh, legitimate. Uh, anything you want to yeah, like thanks. shout out or <laughs> give like a game a thumbs up or anything? Any projects you want to? advertise things like that oh man well i will say yeah if, if you're into to kind of futuristic sci-fi at all with some with a lot of science behind it the expanse role-playing game is a good deal of fun so i wrote the i wrote the chapter on orbital mechanics uh for it which largely came about because i played a lot of kerbal space program and learned a lot of <laughs> a lot about orbital mechanics despite having been i will say despite having been not the best math student in high school. Let's just leave. We, we can we can say that. So, it, once you once you put it in a game, though, man, I understand that. If only they had had Kerbal Space Program when I was in school. Yep. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then the last part is uh, questions of the day. Um, you can ask any question you want to the Pirate CSG audience. Um, and if you, if you have any, you can go ahead. I'll ask mine first, just in case you want to brainstorm one for a second my question would be what's your favorite flavor text uh for any game piece in existence and uh especially from sets that jason designed so barbary coast through fire and steel with the exception of mysterious island and one thing i just want to talk about i assume you made loki's revenge the flavor text for that one that's actually my favorite uh... It says, uh, the Loki's revenge spews fire like some kind of deranged god, an ability that science has yet to explain. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's that very much sounds like something I would do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's my yeah. favorite text. <laughs> cool. 
Um, let's see. So, okay, okay, so do you want me to ask a question? Community? Yeah, to the uh, Pirates community that people can answer if you want, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it's optional. It's fine either way. Yeah, so I'd actually say this. If you were to, if you were to name a ship... If you were to name a pirate ship, what would you name it and why? Okay, awesome. I like it. Very nice. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. It's always great to hear what I think people would you know tap their own imaginations to do. So. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, that'll be a good question for all the customs creators and audience like myself and Xerix and some of the other community members. Thanks for coming on. This was a great podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon for more Pirates content.